Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I am your host, Mama Moines, aka Emily. And this episode is actually uh, going to be recorded and videotaped. So you can go to my YouTube channel and um, you can watch it there at Get Real with Mama Moines. Or if you're just listening to the podcast, you can just listen to the audio. So today's episode is going to be um, how I survived living in the same house for nine months after serving my ex-husband with divorce papers um, and how I survived living together in that house for nine months. I'm getting a lot of questions from you ladies. Um, So I'm not gonna candy coat it. It was really, 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 it was fucking hard. It was so hard. And um, that was the first time that I had not left the matrimonial home. So I had actually um, literally packed up myself and my three kids three times, four times, God, it was 50, over 15 years, three or four times where I literally like packed up and left, packed my things, moved my furniture, rented a house. The first time was about, actually the first time I did not pack my things because I was, I lived in, um, in a fully, fully furnished home. So I was there for about five months, went back. Second time, moved out for an entire year, took my furniture, took my beds, took all my kids stuff, lived in a different city, was there for a year, went back. Third time I moved to Ottawa, uh, moved in with my sister. I was there for maybe five or six months. Went back. My poor kids. So why did I keep going back? Because I was in that cycle. That's why my book is all about take charge, break the cycle and rebuild a kick-ass life. I was in that cycle of abuse. So you have like the love bombing. Everything is great, great, great. They love bomb you to death. Like they bomb you with love and affection and gifts and blah, blah, blah. And then idealization and then devalue and then discard and then Hoover suck you right back in again. Once they've sucked you in, love bomb, love bomb, Um, idealize, devalue, discard, Hoover, love bomb. That was my life for years. Also, the good in that marriage was really, really fucking good. Oh, the good was so good. The good was so good. And the good, you guys, is what keeps you stuck there because now the bad was, the bad was bad, really, 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 really bad. I mean, I, you know, police were at the house many times, but the good, oh, Emily, you're so, mm, the good was so good that you keep holding out for that promise of a better tomorrow. You just keep holding out for it and holding out and holding out and holding out. And so the promise of the better tomorrow just never fucking comes. It never comes. 
And so why, you know, why did I leave and come back all those times? Because I was always holding out for the promise of a better tomorrow. And I had always been the one to leave when there was a massive fight or the police were at the house or whatever the situation was, I was always the one that left. I like, I packed up my fucking kids. I packed everything up and I would leave and I would leave because I was always made to feel like I had no right to stay. That was not my house. It was his house. He bought the house. He paid for the house and that there was no way he would ever leave like ever. So I left because, um, yeah, I just, I didn't feel like I had any right to stay. And so how did I get through those nine months after I finally decided that I wanted to um, end the marriage and I didn't leave the house? It was all because of my lawyer. Yeah, you heard me. So much so that I think I even dedicated, I think, I know, I don't think I know. I dedicated a whole chapter to, to my lawyer. Um, it's called, I think it's a uh, lawyer up. And I'll tell you why I did that. Um, because so I'd always, always, always felt, uh, powerless and defeated in my relationship. Always. I never felt like I was at par. I never felt like we were an equal. There was a real imbalance of the power in that relationship. And it was because I know why it was because I left work. I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. I'd always worked for L'Oreal for like 20 some years. And then when we got married, I left and I didn't have an income and I didn't, I wasn't financially, I didn't have access. We didn't have shared credit cards. We didn't have shared debit cards. We didn't have shared bank accounts. I would get a paycheck and that paycheck went to my kids. It all went to my kids. They're all in university. And so I literally, my needs were taken care of. I had a roof over my head. I had food. I had everything I needed. So the money that I got, guys, it was like pittance, $3,000 a month, which is not pittance, but we're talking, he was making millions a year. So my needs were taken care of. So everything I got that, you know, would have gone to me did, had I not had kids, especially three kids in university. Um, it all went to them. And then, um, sorry, somebody's at my door and I'm being distracted. It never fails. The second I start recording, the second that happens. Anyway, I digress. Um, so there was always a real empower, like imbalance of power, I felt. So I felt completely powerless and defeated all the time, all the time. My voice, I didn't have a voice. My opinion didn't matter. He made the money. He made the rules, blah, blah, blah. That's how I, that's how I felt. And so when I finally made that decision that I needed to end this once and for all, I needed to end that roller coaster ride of the makeup and the breakup game. I, um, I went to see a lawyer and um, the moment that I walked out of that office, it was like, oh, moment. I finally fucking felt like I had somebody in my corner. I had somebody that was going to fight for me. I had somebody that got me. I had somebody that was, she just seemed so, um, she seemed so like matter of a fact, she just like, she was going to take the bull by the horns and she, this, like she meant business. And when she said to me that day, she said to me, you, my dear, do not have to leave the matrimonial home. Doesn't matter who the fuck 
bought it. She didn't say fuck. I'm just, I'm mad. <laughs> it doesn't matter who bought it, who paid for it, you know, wh whose name it's in. You have just as much right to be in that matrimonial home as he does. And I had never, ever contemplated that that could even be a thing that I would stay in the home and that he, the person that bought the house, paid for the house, told me he would never leave the house, um, that he would have to leave. I mean, it was, it was like, uh, what, really? So when she said to me, you don't have a job, you have no income, you have three kids, the kids come home. This is my second marriage, by the way, they did have a dad. I feel like I always need to clarify that because I, you know, I just, um, I don't want people to think that it was my children's father. It wasn't his father. It was my second marriage. But when she said, you don't have a job, you don't have an income, you have kids, it's an abusive relationship. There is no way that a judge is going to, um, is not going to grant you exclusive, temporary exclusive possession of a matrimonial home. And I for once felt like, oh my God, uh, could this be true? Like I for once in many, 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 many years felt a sense of empowerment. And when she said to me, I'm gonna file a motion and we're going to fight this and we're going to give you exclusive possession so you can live in peace throughout the process. Um, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. She did say to me, she did say to me, she made it really clear that once he was notified that I was going to serve him or, or not serve him, but um, we'll serve him for divorce. Yes. But also uh, let him know that I would, had had every um, intention of applying for this matrimonial, exclusive matrimonial possession, that it was going to get ugly. And I underestimated just how ugly that would get. But I also, for the first time in a really, really long time, felt like, so fucking be it. So be it. If this is the hill I die on, I am tired of being voiceless. I am tired of being the one to run away. I am tired of being scared. I am tired of feeling less than. I'm just tired of all of that. And for the first time, she gave me enough. Um, she just gave me, it was more of a sense of, just not being alone anymore, not being alone in this process, not being alone and, and making me feel like I had rights. You have rights. And I didn't ever feel like that. I always felt powerless and defeated. And I would never really say anything or act on it because I just let it, like when I was in the marriage, I just felt like, okay, okay here's one thing I want to say. Sorry, my thoughts are all over the place, but when you constantly sweep things under the rug and you're constantly um, just, you know, brushing things aside and you're constantly um, not addressing what's really like, what's really irking you, what at your core is really bothersome. When you do that, you, you're, so you're avoiding that battle that you're going to have with that person. You're avoiding it. And in a lot of cases I do advise you to avoid it because if you're dealing with someone that is um, aggressive or that is abusive, then you don't want to poke the bear. You do not want to egg them on. But in a lot of situations, 
where you're holding that inside all the time. So you're avoiding the battle. But what I found with me was I was avoiding that battle, but I was literally creating a war. And that war was in, within myself. It was a constant war. It was a constant, you know, um, it was a constant, like, um, it was the cognitive dissonance. It was like, well, that's not right, but this, but I love him. Or, oh my God, you can't, you shouldn't, you, I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe you just said that. Okay, but he's tired or he's hungry or he's angry. or It was just this war that I, I just would shut up, put up, and life goes on. So for those nine months, it was not easy. It was not easy. There was all kinds of crazy going on for those nine months, all kinds of crazy. I remember coming home one day and there were moving trucks in the driveway and he had literally come home. This is after he got notification that I was in fact granted exclusive temporary possession and he had 60 days um, to get out. So basically you've got 60 days to find a place to live, but during those 60 days, you can come and go as you please. You're still in that house. So now he knows that he has to vacate the home. It's, it's the judges ruled that he has to vacate but he still has 60 days from the time he has to be out. Uh, I have to admit at that moment, I was a little bit like, oh, fuck, how much have I poked there right now? And I remember coming home shortly after he got noticed and there was moving trucks in the driveway. And he literally, I'm gonna say, like he probably took 80% of all the matrimonial possessions in the house. Yep, packed them all up, threw them on a truck, and um, I had my bed, I had my bedroom. Uh, I think there was one living room set he left. And Blake was at the house or he was in school. And I, God, I can't remember, was he back at university and living? Cause he was definitely had a bedroom in the basement <clears throat> and he left his bed, but he stripped it, everything. The bedding, the cushions, the pillows, everything. And I remember coming home and seeing the house empty and thinking, Initially, I was angry and bullied. I felt bullied. And then I thought, it's just shit. It's just fucking stuff. Who fuck? Who the fuck cares? And then I went down to the basement and I saw that Blake's bed was completely stripped. I, <laughs> this is what I did. I don't know what came over me that day. I felt like, I obviously felt like I had, I don't know, I had like superhuman strength, superhuman powers. I went up to his room because remember, he took everything, but he left, he could still come back for the next 60 days. So he left everything in place in his room because we were sleeping apart, obviously. Um, he um, left his bedroom intact. So he had his bed and his dressers and he, you know, everything was in his bathroom. Everything was still there because he had planned on coming and going whenever, however he pleased and which he had a right to because it was still his home for the next 60 days. And so I, you guys, <laughs> I I went into his room. I dragged that fucking king size box spring and mattress um, down a massive flight of stairs, out the front door, down another massive flight of stairs, up the driveway and into the garage. And I set his bedroom up in the garage. Not his bedroom, it was just his bed. Because I thought, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to take everything? And you're going to, like, I had to go out that day and buy linens for Blake's bed. 
my son. It's my son. It's my son. Um, and I was just incensed. And that was that was not that was a bold fucking move, you guys. That was bold. That was bold. And I don't know where it came from. Did it come from my lawyer? Did I feel like this sense of super empowerment? Because that was really dumb. Because in our household, in that relationship, everything could just blow up at a, at a moment's notice. Like I'm talking erupt, like where police were at the house numerous times. That was really fucking bold. But for some reason, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was because I finally, finally like stood my ground and stood in my truth and stood up for myself. I don't know what it was. He never came back and slept in that house ever again. When I threw his, took his bed and set it up in the garage. <laughs> oh, fuck him, seriously. That was it. That was it. He never came back to the house again. So how did I get through the nine months? I ignored everything. I ignored it all. I ignored it. I ignored the behavior. I ignored the him eating my food. I ignored um, the coming home at two or hello. I thought my door was latched. This is so unprofessional. My animals are coming in. It's a zoo. I ignored... Um, the coming home late and slamming the doors. I ignored, um, oh my God, I ignored him trying to break into my daughter's room and break the lock on the door. I just ignored it for the most part. Some things I would go like, are you kidding? But for the most part, I just thought, okay, concentrate on yourself. This, you know, oftentimes they do things to get a rise out of you. Don't let them, don't let them get to you carry on with your life. I stayed to myself as much as I could. I stayed out of the house as much as I could. I went to the gym every day. I was in the best shape of my life that first year. Honestly, I went to the gym, spent a lot of time with my friends. Not only were my, was my lawyer pivotal part of me um, moving forward and feeling empowered, my friends and my family were huge. I would get texts from my friends every single morning, every morning, you got this, keep going. Don't let it get to you. Just ignore it, be the bigger person. I got that every day. And so if I can give you a word of advice, even though like what I did was really dumb, like that was really dumb. It could have gone, you know, really badly when I, when I dragged that king size bed into the garage. Just ignore it, ignore the behavior. You're just buying time. For me, I knew 60 days, in 60 days I could have my life back, I could have peace back, I could have you know, a sense of self back. And that was just the starting point. So I compel you, if you're in this situation, I know it's hard, it's really, really fucking hard. It's hard to ignore and just walk away from the insanity. And it is insane at times. It got insane, like insane, insane. Wires being cut to the internet. It was just crazy. Um, ignore it, carry on. I replaced the, the modem, I think four times to the internet. Just kept disappearing, kept disappearing. And my modem, I mean, it was, you know, I had emails coming through, I had documents from my lawyer coming through it. Like I needed the internet. Um, I just, uh, I just ignored it. I just carried on. I had in the back of my mind, this too shall pass. It's going to get better. 
just bide your time here. It's, you know, you, you've done it for 15 years. What's another 60 days? So carry on, concentrate on you. Um, start that process of creating the best version of yourself. And just day by day, one day at a time, one day at a time. And by the time you know it, <clears throat> the 60 days were up. And I had such an overwhelming sense of peace when June 1st came. And I knew that now was the beginning of my life on my own. As scary as it was, it was also so fucking liberating. I felt this huge weight off my shoulders and I was, yes, scared to, scared to death, but also felt so um, ready for the possibility of what my new life could bring. And all I cared about at that point, honestly, all I cared about was having a nurturing, loving, peaceful home. That's it. That's all I wanted. So if you're in a situation where you have to live together because of finances, because they won't leave, because you don't have a place to go, just carry on, mind your own business, bite your tongue. This is not the time. This is not the time. Bite your tongue. Keep your kids in mind, always at the forefront. Always, 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 always keep your kids um, at the forefront. Think of them before you speak. Think of them before you act. And hopefully that will help you get through it. Now is not a time to start. You, you, listen, you've already started the process, right? You're going through a divorce. It's going to happen. You're going to be apart at some point. It's not the time now to be antagonistic. It is not the time to push their buttons. Just carry on, do you, be you, and let it go. Just let it go. And within time, um, and with God's good grace, you will be past it and you'll be on your way to living a more peaceful, contentful um, life that offers you freedom and a life where you can finally live it on your own terms. That's it, guys. That's all I got for you. So uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. And uh, join me next time as we tackle. We I'm going to have Shelly on next time, I think. We're going to tackle all of your uh, burning questions. Got a whole list of them. So join me next time. And thanks again. And I hope you guys have an amazing day.